0: All engine running. Liftoff.
1: We have a liftoff. Well, folks, I, I got to tell you, I thought it would actually not happen here for a few more years, but it has happened here. Uh, around the country, it's, it's being called more and more the Gestapo. Uh, and it is a vicious progressive activist, often affiliated with the gay rights movement, who attack small businesses. Um, for purported political disagreements, trying to drive them out of businesses. It's, it's one reason I actually think that we've got to go to anonymous campaign contributions, that people shouldn't have to disclose, candidates shouldn't have to disclose the names or addresses of people who give them money. Uh, welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, 5, AM 750, WSB. The phone number, 404-872-0750, wsb talk uh, The Flying Biscuit, the Flying Biscuit. Is in Midtown Atlanta. Uh, it is very, it is quite near. You know the 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 Tenth Street and Piedmont Avenue rainbow that they painted, and the owner gave two thousand dollars to Brian Kemp, and gay rights activists are now attacking the business and the owner for supporting Brian Kemp. Now the, the owner. Gave money to Brian Kemp, uh, largely because, like so many small businesses in the state, he knows that Stacey Abrams would have a devastating impact on small businesses with the uh, fees and taxes and everything else she would do. The regulatory approach that the Democrats would do if Stacey Abrams became governor. It would be bad for small businesses. It would drive up costs. Uh, So uh, gay rights activists and progressive activists are trying now to shut down the business attacking the business, demanding apologies. Uh, Again, this is the Flying Biscuit Restaurant, but it's not just the Flying Biscuit Restaurant. Uh, they are also targeting now Monday Night Brewing. If you know Monday Night Brewing, uh, Monday Night Brewing is a very popular craft beer brewery here in Atlanta. They have two locations. We've done live broadcasts from their locations before. Um, they have a facility now down on the south side, and they've also got one in, in uh, off of Howell Mill Road or, or 41 Northside Drive where you can rent their facilities and you can have events at their facilities. The National Federation of Independent Businesses, the NFIB, which is essentially the Chamber of Commerce for Small Business, they rented the Monday Night Brewing facility, and Monday Night Brewing is now being attacked by these same activists for allowing their facility to be used. Now, Joel Iverson... The CEO of the company released a statement. He said, we were not Kemp supporters. Many of our employees are very against him. And we realized there was probably nothing but downside from a PR perspective to have him come here. But ultimately, we decided to do it anyway because we felt it was consistent with both our purpose as a company because we never refused any politician coming to our facility as a policy. Uh, Can you imagine the outrage if, uh, if a baker in Atlanta had refused to bake a cake for a gay wedding? the same Gestapo activists would be trying to shut down the business for refusing something. And here they're demanding that businesses refuse politicians because they disagree with them. Here in Atlanta, folks, here in Atlanta, you have progressive and gay rights activists trying to shut down businesses and put people on the unemployment line because they disagree politically. So you know you have an obligation now to go eat biscuits and drink beer. Um, you you got to go to Flying Biscuit. You got to go to Monday Night Brewing. Uh, you, you know, again, I really think our legislature needs to consider uh, passing a law that stops the disclosure of the names of individuals, or, or, uh, require that it be filed the names and addresses but that it can't be made publicly available only the the ethics commission state ethics commission can see the information the only reason the flying biscuit cafe is being attacked is because it showed up on a disclosure that they had given um they'd given a contribution to Brian Kemp the the owner head this is this is dangerous illiberalism it is illiberal This is what authoritarian regimes do. This is what they accuse Donald Trump of doing, and yet they're doing it. Progressive activists shutting down businesses over political disagreement. It's what the Soviets did. It's what the Nazis did. It's what the Chinese communists do. It's what the Cubans do. They shut down businesses that don't toe the party line. It is totalitarian. And it's happening here in Atlanta. Now, small businesses are under attack from progressive activists. Now, see this, by the way, this is something that those of you who are on the fence about Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams need to understand is that you almost have a moral obligation to vote for Brian Kemp to rebuke this sort of stuff. And and I'm not trying to be hyper hyperbolic here. They will be emboldened if Stacey Abrams gets elected in the same way they were emboldened by Barack Obama. And it's not that Barack Obama endorsed this behavior, although I think he kind of did. And it's not that Stacey Abrams endorsed this behavior, although it was her campaign that organized a protest against Stacey Evans merely for being white. Now, this doesn't get a lot of press coverage, but it was Stacey Abrams campaign staff that organized a protest of her Democratic opponent merely for being white. If you vote for Stacey Abrams, you are emboldening and enabling more of this conduct. You are emboldening more protests against people for their race. You are emboldening more attempts to shut down small businesses for political disputes. Now the Democrats can scream at me all they want, but I'm not the one out there shutting down businesses. I'm not the one out there trying to to blackball businesses. I'm not the one out there trying to drive these people out of business and put people on, on the unemployment line. You embolden this behavior. What they want is to shut down Brian Kemp. What they want is to elevate progressivism. And if you go down the road by handing them your vote, you're emboldening them. They're going to conclude by you handing victory to what they want, by handing victory to their cause, that if they do even more of this, they will have more wins. Now, you may not like it. A buddy of mine has texted me and says, oh, I, I, well, I don't like either of them. You've lost me here. I, I, lose you or not, I'm telling you the truth. They get emboldened by this. You hand them a win. They think that it's about them. The number of Democrats who are going to claim that gun control was a winning issue if the Democrats take back Congress, even though it was a rejection of Donald Trump, you know what they're going to do? They're going to amplify the gun control message even further. The number of Democrats who are going to say, well, this was all about uh, you, you named the issue. That's why we won Congress. They're going to try to amplify that issue. You go shutting down small businesses because they supported Brian Kemp, or they just open their doors and let him have an event there, like, like Monday Night Brewing did. They don't even endorse him. They don't even like him, but he's a politician running for governor. They said, "Here, yes, you can have our, our place for an, an event." Now they're under attack. You will embolden the behavior. Those of you who have kids understand what I'm talking about. You keep letting this bad behavior thrive. They interpret it as they're winning. They're going to amplify it anymore. It's going to just going to amp up. You cannot incentivize this stuff. And that's what they want you to do. That's why they want you to vote for Stacey Abrams. Bad news if that happens. We'll see even more of this. It's 27 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Hey, so, and I may have to carry this over when we come back from break, but I'm considering this a news item. I had the the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Bourbon and Butts event last night and actually spent more time talking about this than anything else. Uh, Circle, this is not an ad. Uh, This is just, uh, you know, Glenn Beck was saying the other day about his son befriended someone on the Internet, was playing video games with him over the Internet, and turns out the person was actually an adult and was systematically trying to lure various kids, Uh, he was a predator. And thankfully, uh, Glenn and his wife realized what was going on, and this is happening more and more around the country. It is hard to regulate your kids' internet time. Many of you don't know what they're doing. Many of you don't know how to regulate their time. Christy and I use this thing called Circle. It's a little box that connects to your Wi-Fi. Very easy to set up. It's got an Android or iPhone app, and you can say, hey, my kids can be on the internet for an hour. They can't access these websites. They can't play online games. Uh, You have adult settings, kid settings, teenage settings. It's It's called Circle. I really love this thing. 38 after the hour, Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Uh, I need to, well, just given the overwhelming amount of, of emails and uh, messages on social media I have gotten during the commercial break, I, I think I, I do need to stick with this for just a minute. Um, a, a, mentioning this this app called Circle, more and more it is extremely hard to monitor what your kids are doing online. Uh, you, you don't know all the time. And how do you restrict them from being online? What happens when you go to bed at today? That, that's when particularly on the, the predatory issue. Uh, and I don't I don't mean to, to sound like I'm making light of this or, or being hyperbolic or, or scaring you. Uh, but like Glenn Beck was saying, his kid struck up a, a friendship with someone online and it was two o'clock in the morning. After all, the parents would gone the to bed. The, the person knew to wait until then. And you can't be up at all hours of the night. You don't want to hide your kid's cell phone and whatnot. So what do you do? Uh, and I cannot recommend this enough. I, I don't get paid. It's not an ad. Christy and I bought this thing from Best Buy. It's called Circle. It's it's branded by Disney. Disney didn't really make it, but they knew what they were doing by branding it. It is a little bitty squ- uh, cube. It is. It fits in the palm of your hand. And it comes with an app. You plug it in to the wall. It doesn't have any other wires to connect it to, to a routers or anything. It's just got a, a plug. You plug it into the wall, and you download the app uh, from, the, from the Apple App Store or Android, the Google Play Store. You set up an account, and it connects by Wi-Fi to this little device. Well, what this device does is it syncs with your Internet. And if your kids are trying to go online... It you can use your app on your phone and say, "I don't want them using social media websites. I don't want them using Snapchat. Uh, I'll allow them to play Fortnite, but I'll only let them do it for an hour. Uh, I won't let them use messaging apps over the internet. Things like that. Uh, and you can it has a lot of controls. You can see what website your kid is is viewing. You can also set things for like uh, you can do rewards like uh, they're only allowed on the Internet two hours a day. But if they do their laundry, if they if they do the dishes, I'll give them an extra hour. You can do things like that. You can set an absolute hard off time like our, in our house. It's 9 p.m. Uh, my kids devices. This, this works with uh, iPhones, iPads, computers, Xboxes, Playstations, Apple TVs, Roku devices, you name it. You can put them all in there and say at 9 o'clock p.m. No more Internet. And the internet stops working, except on you and your spouse's devices. Or if you really want to be mean, you can turn that off too. Um, You can even block Amazon from your wife's account. Not that I would do that. I really wouldn't uh, need a block for mine. But nonetheless, uh, you you get my point. Um, it, It is really, really hard to monitor what your kids are doing online. And this makes it a whole lot easier. You should still be willing to look at your kids' devices and make sure they're not hiding stuff from you on them. Uh, you really should, but this is a, this is also a good way to help you monitor what they're doing and block things. Like if you come to my house, I don't care who you are. I don't care what age you are. If you come to my house, thanks to the circle app, Snapchat doesn't work in my house. No one, myself included. Can use Snapchat in my house? It is completely blocked. There's no way around it because of the circle device. Uh, we allow our daughter to have a private Instagram account that we follow and keep up with and monitor her uh, Instagram direct messages to make sure everything is is okay there. Um, but she's restricted in the amount of time a day she can use it. Uh, we restrict Pinterest. We do it all from the Circle app. And I'm telling you, if your kids are big into online games in particular, whether it's Minecraft or Fortnite or whatever, this is so useful for you to be able to not trust your kid to say you've only got an hour. Put your device down after an hour, but to cut off the internet after an hour. And I'm I'm those of you who have kids, you understand what I'm talking about. And this is a great help. It is not a replacement from you being a parent, but it certainly is a great aid for your parenting skills to help you. I highly recommend it. Again, it's called Circle. You can get them at Best Buy. I think they sell them at Target. Uh, they might sell them at Walmart. I know you can get them at Best Buy. That's where I got mine. You can also get it off Amazon, uh, Circle by Disney, it is really, really easy to set up. You do not have to be technically proficient to set it up. You just plug it into the wall and download the app. And it's a very easy process to walk you through it. Uh, but it is it has really helped us in our household uh, not just protect our kids, but also regulate their internet usage because we're pretty slack about it. And we can be very slack and this thing isn't. Uh, so I recommend Circle by Disney. Now, y'all, Chelsea Clinton has come out today on a XM interview and said that essentially ending abortion would be anti-Christian or un-Christian, that getting rid of Roe would be un-Christian. Now, I, I don't know what what she has studied that she thinks is Christianity, but I can assure her if she bothers to study actual Christianity, she would realize that Christians have always been very pro-life. Uh, this The whole thing here is silly that she would say something like this, and is another reminder of the Clintons keeping themselves in the public eye, often by doing dumb things. That's what she's doing here, to stay in the public eye, uh, trying to get attention. I, You know, for the life of me, I don't understand why the Democratic Party doesn't go to the Clintons and say, Y'all, go away. Just stop talking. Chelsea, delete your account on Twitter. Hillary, delete your account and go away. it, it, it is, it's, It boggles my mind between Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, all falling all over themselves to go out and campaign for Democrats and attack the president. All they are doing is helping the Republicans. And now, listen, I don't have a problem with that in that regard. I I, I don't have a problem with that. If they want to help the Republicans, God bless them for wanting to help the Republicans. But it's a little bit nuts to me that they don't understand how disliked they are. They're convinced that people like them. And, and hardcore Democrats, I admit, hardcore Democrats absolutely do like the Clintons. But even like moderate Democrats don't really like the Clintons. Moderate Democrats don't really want anything to do with the Clintons. They want them to go away. They want Barack Obama to not scare and mobilize Republicans. And yet these people, it is It, it is vanity. It is absolute vanity that these people can't keep their mouth shut and continue to embolden the other side and mobilize them to go vote in November as a rejection of them. It is all vanity. Of course, so much of American politics is as well. And that doesn't mean that it's not happening on the right as well. But I mean, this this Chelsea Clinton thing, one, it shows her ignorance of Christianity, how out of touch she is. And two, it just gives Republicans something to remind themselves that we do not want these people back in power. And we certainly don't want Chelsea Clinton in power at all, ever. Wow, y'all, happening on MSNBC, of all things. Uh, Chuck Todd just really lit into the Democrats for their handling of this Brett Kavanaugh accusation. When we come back, uh, I want to spend some time on the character assassination of Brett Kavanaugh. I'll see if I can track down uh, the audio of what Chuck Todd just said. He's like, oh, we're not even going to go there. We're not going to talk about it. Completely unsubstantiated. It's going to blow up in the face of the Democrats. And it appears to be happening this afternoon that it is blowing up in the face of the Democrats. And they've also, the, the New York Times engaged in a character assassination of Nikki Haley. The reporter who wrote it has a history of going after Republicans in the Trump administration only Only to see his newspaper have to walk back the attacks. It's happened now to Nikki Haley. I'll give you the details on that. Before we do that, though, I got to tell you all what happened to me last night. We had the Bourbon and Butts event, and then I drove home. I got home about 11 o'clock, and in my neighborhood, I come down a hill to my house, and as I'm coming down a hill, there is a lake in the road. There is a lake. It is is ankle-deep water, and it is enough when the car goes through it to make big waves on either side. And my driveway is like Niagara Falls. And at the back of my driveway is Old Faithful shooting up higher than our house. Our sprinkler system, when it was installed, I have no idea why anyone did this. They did not put it on the house pressure. It's right off the water main. And there was a rupture in the pipe. And no one has been able to find the valve to turn off our sprinkler system since we've lived in this house for seven years. <laughs> I went down to turn off the the water main, and there were, I could hear a rattlesnake. And I had to get out the hoe, chase the snake. Uh, well, it turned out not to be a rattlesnake. The water was moving so fast that the water main dial was spinning so fast that it sounded like a rattlesnake. And I spent an hour and a half uh, snakes, spiders chipmunks trying to find that shutoff valve and found it. Whoever seven years ago did it, they took the lid off of it. And for seven years, there's been mulch and dirt accumulated in it. And I had to archaeologically excavate it to turn the sucker off. I mean, it flooded our entire yard and neighborhood. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB. We got to get into the character assassinations that happened today of Nikki Haley and Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, Kavanaugh, we we talked about it some last night. It's continuing to, to develop. Chuck Todd was just on the NBC affiliate in Atlanta and refused to talk about it and said, I, I don't have the audio for you, I can tell you what he said, um, that he refused to talk about it, that he thinks this is going to hurt the Democrats, and this is going to undermine me too, that this is completely unsubstantiated. No one has seen the letter. Now, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Dianne Feinstein, senator from California, says she forwarded a letter to the FBI from a woman who claims that in 1982, when Brett Kavanaugh was 17 years old, he locked her in a room and tried to um, coerce her into having intimate relations with him, he and another guy. Turns out the other guy is Mark Judge, a conservative writer in D.C. who adamantly, vehemently denies it. Um, took forever for them to release his name. Why? Because he could sue for slander. He's not a public figure. He's vehemently denying it, as is Kavanaugh, by the way. But we don't know the details. We, we really don't know the details. Um, Jane Meyer, and I I want to say Jane Meyer, they put Ronan Farrow's name on it to give it credibility, but it's really, I can read the story. Jane Myers is a writer at the New Yorker. I've read enough of her work to know this is her piece, not Ronan Farrow's piece. Um, she is adding the extra details of claims, but no one knows who this woman is. And it appears that people are telling reporters, what the claim is, but they're not actually showing reporters the letter. Now the, the FBI received the letter, looked at it and said, um, they're not investigating this. So we don't actually know what this actually is. It is total speculation. Here is what we do know. These are the facts. Diane Feinstein, according to her received a letter from an anonymous woman in July claiming Brett Kavanaugh tried to or did sexually assault her in 1982 when they were in high school together at a party. He went to an all-boys Catholic school, so it was at a party. We know that Diane Feinstein held on to this letter for two months. We know that Diane Feinstein did not raise this issue in the closed-door meetings of the Senate Judiciary Committee to discuss Brett Kavanaugh. We know that Dianne Feinstein did not raise this issue in the public meetings questioning Brett Kavanaugh. In fact, Dianne Feinstein did not raise the issue until after the Senate Judiciary Committee closed further consideration on Brett Kavanaugh and moved to vote on him. She waited until then. That is very, very important. For a significant historic detail, probably most of you, if not all of you, do not know about. In 1991, George H.W. Bush, then President of the United States, nominated Clarence Thomas to replace Thurgood Marshall on the United States Supreme Court. The hearing was held before a Democratic-controlled U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. The committee considered Clarence Thomas for a week. They let Clarence Thomas speak and they interviewed him. They let proponents for Clarence Thomas speak for a couple of days. They let opponents of Clarence Thomas speak a couple of days. And then the committee decided to vote. And the committee. Had the votes with the Democrats to vote Clarence Thomas out to the floor of the Senate. It was only after the committee decided to vote on Clarence Thomas, the hearings had concluded, all the investigation had concluded, they were ready to vote his nomination to the floor of the Senate, that Democrats raised the Anita Hill issue. They waited until everything had been done, and then they attacked. With the Anita Hill accusations, and they required by that that the Senate Judiciary Committee reopened the hearings on Clarence Thomas and have another week on live television of doing nothing but grilling Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill. They assassinated Clarence Thomas's character. They martyr. They made Anita Hill some sort of hero. For telling this stuff that most people believe wasn't true, including a majority of the Democratic senators who voted to send Clarence Thomas's nomination to the floor of the Senate where he was confirmed, despite the allegations. And now they want to relitigate that. This past year, they tried to relitigate Anita Hill. They're doing the same thing. With Brett Kavanaugh, they waited until everything was over. They waited until the Senate Judiciary Committee was ready to vote, and then Dianne Feinstein raised it. But there's a significant difference. With Clarence Thomas, we knew the name of the victim. She came forward. Here, we don't even know. We don't even know what the accusations are. All we know are multiple reporters from multiple outlets have been given multiple different competing versions of what happened. None of them have a name of the victim. The victim won't come forward. The victim says she's not coming forward. And the other major, major, huge difference is that this happened in 1982, at least with Current Thomas, I don't believe Anita Hill, but it, at least they were trying to say that it had happened in recent years. This is something they claim he did in high school, a, a prank, a, a bad act, something that he did in high school. He's categorically denied it. The other individuals involved have all denied it. And you know what the media did today? The Senate Judiciary Committee released a letter with the names of 65 women who have come out and said, I have known Brett Kavanaugh since high school. I never witnessed this sort of behavior. This is not the Brett Kavanaugh I would have known. There's no way he did this. And do you know what the media response is to that? Oh, well, the Senate Judiciary Committee Republicans must have known about this. How else could they get 65 women to release a statement less than 24 hours? Well, it turns out that a group of Brett Kavanaugh's friends got together overnight and stayed up all night trying to call women who he went to high school with or, or associate with in high school and got them to come forward. Many of them volunteering to come forward. 65 women within the less than 24 hours were willing to come forward and sign a letter and say, this is garbage. And instead of the media covering the letter for what it was, they say, oh, well, this is proof. Republicans must have known about this all along. They've been covering up for a predator. Is it any wonder the president is so easily able to attack the media for fake news? Is it any wonder that the president is able to attack the media for being an enemy of the people? They... The media, they're your own worst enemy. And it's not just Brett Kavanaugh. The New York Times this morning ran a story attacking Nikki Haley for 50-some-odd-thousand-dollar curtains in her apartment in New York City. Turns out she had nothing to do with the curtains, didn't even know about them, and couldn't have stopped the purchase if she wanted to. And the reporter has a history of writing smear hit jobs on Republican appointees of Donald Trump related to the State Department that the New York Times has had to correct. This story is is almost as unbelievable as Brett Kavanaugh had. If his was not a, a sexual assault allegation, that Dianne Feinstein held on to for two months. And, and by the way, ask yourself if it was a if she thought it was credible, would she have held on to it for two months without telling anyone? That's what she did. She held on to it for two months. Didn't tell the FBI. Didn't tell the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Didn't tell anybody. If his wasn't a sexual assault accusation, the story the the attack on Nikki Haley would actually be a bigger deal. And what happened with the New York Times in that is insane. I'll tell you about it when we come back. Y'all, I I don't care who you are. I I don't care what your politics are. I I don't care whether you're a man or woman. I don't care what your age is. You need to go to my Twitter feed at this moment, twitter.com slash EW Erickson, and see the video I just retweeted. It is the most amazing video you will see today
0: it is... <laughs> It's it's a weather channel reporter, and he's he's somewhere in North Carolina in the hurricane, and his legs are spread. He's like he's he's on the on the air train at the airport, not wanting to hold on to a pole, trying to make sure he doesn't fall over. And he's just his body is quivering, and he's he's moving, and he's like uh, this this is the worst wind we we've experienced since the storm came on shore. The the wind gusts are they're they're over 80 miles in, <laughs> in the background. Two dudes walk past him. Two guys in shorts walk past as if there's nothing going on. <laughs> right, let me see if I can put let me see if I can play the audio here. See if I can pipe it through the board. This is the greatest thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's see if you can listen to this. Okay, uh, picking it up here. In Wilmington, North Carolina, right at the Intracoastal, and we're in one of these bands. This is about as nasty as it's been. There's like the two guys walking Coastal, behind him. And then the Eyewall this morning, we were not on TV. It was a dark and raucous uh, night at the hotel. <laughs> I mean he's there. He's like balancing back and forth with his leg spread like he's about to be blown away at any moment. And these two guys just go walking right past him. <laughs> oh, it's just, you know, the moral of the story here is, is
1: that TV and radio are both to a degree theater of the mind. And if you hadn't have seen those two guys walking normal behind him, you would have thought. You I mean, you really would have thought. That he was about to be blown away. Now, then that's not to underestimate the amount of wind that was there. You can see two, um, saw horses, uh, that had been blown over. But still, I mean, these, these two teenagers in shorts walking past him. I, I put it on Twitter. You can, you don't have to believe me on this. You don't have to believe me. I put it on Twitter.com slash EW Erickson. It is the top thing I have retweeted. It is, oh my goodness gracious. It is it is the funniest thing. Uh, now, when we come back, Nikki Haley is under attack from the New York Times. They have had to retract the story today, and yet other media outlets have picked it up. It, it is really hard to defend in the media when the president says they're fake news when they do things like this. Um, it, it, the State Department today has had, had to come out and defend Nikki Haley, and even the Obama administration has had to defend her. I'll tell you why. 9 after the hour, Eric Erickson here. Guess what? I don't even have to read radar right now. We got a hurricane off the coast, but it is not affecting us. If anything, it is helping us. We, we don't have any um, anything on the radar that we need to worry about at this moment. Uh, the New York Times ran a story this morning in their newspaper and online that Nikki Haley the U.N. ambassador spent $52,701 on curtains for her uh, U.N. envoy residence. And if you went six paragraphs in, what you would find out is that the State Department under Barack Obama actually authorized and paid for the curtains. Nikki Haley not only had nothing to do with it, she couldn't have even stopped the transaction if she wanted to. It was, it was taken care of before she moved in. See, the American ambassador to, uh, to the United Nations has lived in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City uh, with a rent of basically $103,000 um, a year, I believe, or is it a month? It was a ridiculous amount of money. Well, and the New York Times tied this in together to Ben Carson had spent all that money for stuff in his office and here's another big spender prima donna Nikki Haley except it turns out it's not true. This is the second time this reporter has written one of these attack jobs. Now let me an editor an editor's note has been pinned to this article today. I want to read you what the editor's note says. An earlier version of this article and headline created an unfair impression about who was responsible for the purchase in question. While Nikki Haley is the current ambassador to the United Nations, the decision on leasing the ambassador's residence and purchasing the curtains was made during the Obama administration, according to current and former officials. The article should not have focused on Ms. Haley, nor should a picture of her have been used. The article and headline have now been edited to reflect these concerns, and the picture has been removed. Well, that's all well and good, but... I mean, the article ran and got significant traction over Nikki Haley's big spending ways. And if you actually read the article, you would find out that she didn't do it. And yet the headline reflected it and the photography reflected that Nikki Haley was the one who did this. It is good that the New York Times appended this editor's note, but they should have never had to have done it. They should have actually vetted it during the editing process. Someone should have said, hey, you know What? This story headline is inaccurate. Using this picture is inaccurate. If anything, it was it was uh, Susan Powers. Or Samantha Powers, who should have been. But even Samantha Powers in the Obama administration, a lot of conservatives rushed out and said, oh, uh, Trump or Obama administration, it must have been uh, Samantha Powers who did this. Turns out it wasn't. There's actually a division within the State Department that takes care of housing for ambassadors. And it was that division within the State Department uh, run by a guy named Patrick Kennedy, the top management official at the State Department during the Obama administration, who made the call to do it. And she has been moved from the Waldorf Astoria to a new penthouse at 6,000 square feet. Yes, it is $58,000 a month. The Waldorf Astoria was $109,000 a month. So the move actually saves some money. Nikki Haley's the first one to live in this apartment. And the reason the curtains were bought and so expensive, according to them, if you believe them, they come on motors and hardware uh, that can be open and closed uh, at will with the push of a button or remotely due to security concerns. That's that's actually why the curtains were so expensive, according to uh, the report, is that this was a security issue. They wanted security to be able to close the curtains at a moment's notice remotely uh, for the security of the ambassador. Nonetheless, still ridiculously expensive. But the entire time, is for basically 24 hours, the story was that this was Nikki Haley. Now, these are people who the president routinely assails for fake news. I have defended the press numerous times over calls of fake news when they were telling the truth, like the the Puerto Rico death toll. And yet, nobody should defend the New York Times for this. And it makes you realize just how much they are their own worst enemy, When it comes to dealing with conservatives, they are ideologically biased. They will believe the worst about conservatives and then run these stories and get themselves into trouble. But if there hadn't been a lot of screaming about the story, it probably wouldn't have gotten corrected. I mean, time and time again, we see these. The the last one from the same reporter um, was related to a Jewish group that supposedly had ties to the Trump administration and to Benjamin Netanyahu and didn't. You know, what I'm seeing more and more in the media is a lot of 20 and 30, and I don't know how old this reporter is, but a lot of 20 and 30 something reporters come in from journalism school or left-wing outlets, and they're not there to actually be reporters. They're not there to report facts. They're there to advance agendas, and more and more of the agenda from so many in the media is against Republicans, against conservatives, against the president. And the president has a bigger bully pulpit than these people, and he can point out their biases. And I think a lot of times he gets it wrong, and a lot of times he's unfair. But oftentimes, too, he gets it right. Oftentimes, too, he points out that they've gotten it wrong. And the reason they got it wrong is their bias against him and his administration. And that's fair. In fact, I I know a number of reporters today, Jake Tappert, among them, very vocally critical of the story and how it undermines um, the press's defense of a free press. I mean, you know, when the president says the press is the enemy of the people, well, look at the story. It it, it does them no favors. And he's right. The press is its own worst enemy. So many younger reporters are so intent on pushing an agenda, it is harder and harder to advance the truth. And the downside is that there are so many conservative outlets now that are so intent on pushing back against the narrative, they too... Um, are willing to set the truth aside in order to so-called own the left. We all need to be invested in what the actual truth of things is. You know, there is real truth. If you don't believe that there is real truth, then you probably don't believe in God because, you know, he's truth. There is real truth out there. you got to be able to find it. And so many on both sides are so busy beating the snot out of each other and advancing so-called narratives, everybody is leaving facts on the side. Is they're ignoring truth. We can't afford to ignore the truth. And when you get it wrong, you got to say, I got it wrong. Because there is real truth. And man, the New York Times doesn't seem interested in it at all. It is 54 after the hour. Eric Erickson here, Muse 95.5, AM 750, WSB. Uh, looks like we're not going to get any rain from Hurricane Florence. I, I, so here's the thing. Um, it is it's really actually mind-boggling. No, it's not. It's really not mind-boggling. It's, it's totally understandable that Democrats are pulling out all the stops to smear Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, this is no longer about actually stopping him from getting on the court, I hope you understand. This is about uh, using his nomination to hurt Republicans in November. Uh, they're they're making up wild accusations and trying to scare Republicans, uh, trying to scare Democrats, trying to scare Republican senators like Susan Collins. We're going to defeat you. You're, you're, you're putting a rapist on the Supreme Court. It's basically their allegation. There's no proof of it. They don't care about the truth. They don't care about the facts. It, it goes back to the Nikki Haley thing. For all the times that Democrats say... It is the Republicans who only believe fake news. It is the Republicans who believe the lies. Here are Democrats time and time again believing lies. You know, the thing that Democrats have done that is most remarkable to me in the age of Trump is they have convinced themselves that there are no terrible people on their side, that all the terrible people are on the other side. They, they look at Antifa, the kissing cousins of, of, the, of the white supremacists, and they say, oh, no, their motives are understandable. They look at Linda Sarsour, the the, the anti-Semite uh, left-wing agitator. No, 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 her, her, her motives are, are perfectly understandable. But David Horowitz, he's a, he's a horrible, horrible human being, don't you know? On and on and on it goes, where they justify all the bad behavior on their side. Look at the people who are trying to shut down the Flying Biscuit. Uh, If you weren't here for the first hour, the Flying Biscuit is a restaurant in Midtown. Its owner gave $2,000 to Brian Kemp and progressive activists are trying to shut it down, drive the people out of business, put people on the unemployment line because they disagree with the guy's politics, because they don't like he supported Brian Kemp. Monday Night Brewing, you, you go buy some of Monday Night Brewing's beer. They're under attack, not because they support or endorse Brian Kemp. They have a rental facility where you can go rent the facility. We've broadcasted live there before, and uh, the NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business, they-, they rented it out for an event for Brian Kemp, and progressive activists are now trying to drive Monday Night Bruin out of business. All for politics. It has become their religion, and the heretics have to be burned at the stake.